From the studios of the Private Client Network in Midtown Manhattan, welcome to Luxury on Location. This dynamic podcast features conversations with luxury realtor Kevin Snedden, founder of the Private Client Network at Compass and his Private Client Network partners. In this, our 10th episode of Season 2, Kevin will be speaking with Joy Allman, our Private Client Network partner in San Diego. Joy is a top luxury real estate broker in San Diego, and here's why. By striving to deliver an unparalleled level of value with a focus on deploying innovative marketing strategies for her clients, Joy and her team epitomize modern real estate representation. In fact, Joy's business is often covered by local and national media outlets. Combining her impeccable instincts with her deep knowledge of San Diego's most exclusive neighborhoods, Joy is celebrated for her ability to locate and secure the perfect property for each client. And in case anyone's counting, Joy has brokered over $300 million in real estate sales during her career, over $35 million in 2021 alone. What we admire most about Joy is her drive, her entrepreneurial spirit, and her unwavering commitment. We are so fortunate to have Joy in our private client network, and we are delighted to have her as our featured guest on Luxury on Location. Hello, Joy. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? Good. How are you? Welcome to Luxury on Location. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, Joy, we go way back, I think 2019 with the Private Client Network. I remember we had breakfast out in LA, Rob, you and I during the retreat in Los Angeles. Yes, it was August, right? The August Yeah, yeah. August retreat. It was nice. So you go way back. You guys are original PCN partners and thank you so much. We didn't know what we were building at that point, we had sort of a vision, but it's really become something even more than I could imagine. And I hope you're getting a lot of value out of it. No, we just signed a listing uh, with Nicole Kessler in Austin on Thursday, Friday last week. It's amazing. We love the network and the partners. It's excellent. Excellent. So why don't you take our listeners through your overall background, how you ended up in San Diego, how you got into real estate? So I've been running a mortgage business for 12 years prior. So back in 2009, I was awarded the number one state of Minnesota for the HFA lending program. And it was at that moment when I realized that this wasn't the business that I wanted and I wasn't in the place that I wanted to be. And so I just took like a really big risk and we moved to where the weather is 70 degrees, 365 days a year, where it's supposed to be at least. Wow. Minnesota to San Diego? Yes, I did not know one human when we arrived. So wow, that was a big, big change. So then you decided to make the move into real estate brokerage? Yeah, so for the first year and a half, I still ran the business back there and started getting my license and learning. I mean, San Diego is a very large market. It's very intimidating at first. And then in 2011, I started listing short sales as like my first deals all over the county, door knocking. I was literally door knocking like 30 to 40 doors a day. It's pretty brutal, actually. Then the story of how I met my partner, Rob, is actually rather funny and we tell it different ways, but he had a listing down here in La Jolla and he was inaccurately marketing it with an ocean view. And my clients wanted me to go preview the property for them and see what the view actually looked like. And so it's literally how I met my husband is down a listing in La Jolla. It was one of my first luxury clients that I was working with. And we've been partners and been together for over 10 years now. So it just didn't have the, there was a 
difference in the view that as opposed to oh he was he was embellishing (laughs) 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 and that wasn't exactly what my client was looking for but um i guess in real estate you never know what you're going to get sometimes so you set him straight and then you guys got to know each other through that process yeah you know initially we teamed up just as when you're new you have to meet certain production guidelines or they don't pay you very well. So we were at a competing brokerage down in La Jolla and we were both at 10 million a year. So 10 plus 10 is a decent split for a brand new agent for their first year. So that's kind of how that originally started. So when did you form the team that you have now? That would have been in like the early 2012. Okay. So when did you guys make the move to Compass? So we came, we've been there four years so right, maybe six months before I met you. Yeah. So back in maybe beginning of 2019. Yeah. And now uh, we were at Pacific Sotheby's prior, which is another big brokerage here in La Jolla. And uh, we were one of the, we were like one of the first agents in La Jolla, one of the first maybe 50 agents in San Diego to kind of wow. take that risk with Compass. So. So how has that transition been? I mean, Compass has really grown all over California and all over the U.S. Oh, yeah. We love it. The support, the marketing. I mean, everything is exactly the perfect fit for our business and how we want to present ourselves. So So why don't you take our listeners through, we'll get into more details, but why don't you start broadly the, the San Diego real estate market? Sure. So San Diego, a lot of people don't even realize this, but it's larger than the state of Rhode Island and Delaware, and it's 82% the size of Connecticut. So as you can see that we have everything from beach homes to horse ranches to homes up on mountains with no one around them. San Diego ranks number five in the nation for venture capital raised, and there's been more than $1 billion raised through the third quarter of this year. And most of that money has been going to the life sciences industry. So we have the second largest life sciences pipeline in the U.S. with almost 4 million square feet under construction. And what's important about that is these 1,700 life science companies that are in San Diego, most of those jobs have high salaries. So it's a great benefit to our housing market. The largest projects right now are the campus at Horton Plaza and the Bayfront IQHQ, which is going to have a million square feet in a proposed 1,000-room hotel. So San Diego is bordered by the ocean, Mexico on the south, Camp Pendleton on the north, and the mountains on the east. So we are basically landlocked in, and there really is no place to go as far as building. And that's what's going to keep prices stable as we head into a slight downturn here nationwide. So take us through like the onset of COVID and how that changed the San Diego real estate market. So after COVID lifted, our market was very much in high demand. Some of the markets that had never been as coveted became highly coveted. And I think those will be the markets that soften the most. Some of the ones that are on the outskirts, a little further from community amenities, maybe they're large homes on a little bit of land, but not in the best school systems. So those types of properties became in the most high demand I'd ever seen since I've been in the business for over 10 years. This year to date, our MLS has recorded $60 billion in sales. So that's kind of how large the San Diego real estate market is, which is right around 58,000 units. And right now we're seeing some weakening demand. Of course, sellers holding off on listing. Year-over-year inventory is up 64% in San Diego, and our closed sales countywide are down 46.8%. 
So where would you say people that came from outside of San Diego throughout COVID, did they come from LA? Did they come from the Northeast? Did they, where did they come from? Our top markets would be LA, the Bay Area, Texas, New York, and actually Chicago. Yeah, I can understand Chicago, <laughs> just the weather. So I know when we were out in San Diego at our private client network offsite, you took us downtown and we were looking at some vertical living. There was a condo development that you took us to. I imagine that the condo market really got soft through COVID. How is it doing now? So condos, definitely people were trying to move out of downtown and move into single family during COVID. And now, of course, the prices are as high as they are. We definitely are going to see a resurgence back into condos. Rob and I actually just specialize in La Jolla in the condo market from La Jolla Shores to Bird Rock, which is the entire shoreline. And we're seeing prices for condos are now what they used to be for a very small single family starter home. So we're seeing people making that sacrifice and Purchasing a condo is their choice. Yeah, it's a lower cost of entry. And if you want to be in a certain part of San Diego, I can see how people make that decision. So in terms of the single family market price point for luxury, where does that start? Four. It used to be three. I mean, when someone calls now and they want to, you know, their budget's three million, that's very uh, limited. Three million was the budget back in 2012 to get a decent location, decent view, nice finishes. And now it's starting about four, four and a half, depending on how big the ocean view is, or if it's beach, beach close, west of the boulevard for walking distance, that sort of thing. So what are the most desirable neighborhoods in San Diego for luxury? So that we've kind of got a triangle of Rancho Santa Fe, Del Mar, La Jolla, but then over the last Encinitas and Solana Beach over the last 10 years have really gotten much more affluent and strong. It used to be when buyers came in that they wouldn't even consider outside of Rancho Santa Fe, Del Mar, La Jolla, and then of course Coronado, which is on the island. But that's really changing now where even parts of Carlsbad are becoming entry-level luxury. So what would you call sort of an expensive house in those core, in those La Jolla or Del Mar? What do you get for $10 million? $10 million, you're going to be Seven, eight thousand square feet, nice view, a little bit larger land, or even two to three homes from the water, depending on some people want the elevated views and other people want walkability. So it kind of getting both is then you're over ten million if you want both views and walkability. So how is the the ten million plus? Like where do sales go and how high do they go? Yeah, so this year we had the two highest sales. One was up in the Murelands in La Jolla. 12,000 square feet, very, very top of the line finishes. That one sold for 21.8. And then we had an oceanfront in Del Mar that sold for 20 million. That was only 3,700 square feet. And that's down in the Beach Colony. And the Beach Colony is one of the most expensive or arguably the most expensive pocket in all of San Diego. It's um, right along the, the sand west of the Del Mar racetrack. And for the most part, this is primary residences, or how many people actually come to San Diego just for part of the year? We have a mix. We have great, great schools and bishops here in La Jolla's world-renowned private high school that famous people have come out of. So like, it's a mix. Some people are third, fourth, fifth home, and then others are full-time, entrepreneurial, or able to be traveling back and forth from another area and kind of doing more of a 50-50. Has the increasing interest rates, the rising interest rates, you know, what part of the market has taken the biggest hit due to rising interest rates? Our entire market's taken a hit as far as sales. You know, sellers are on the sidelines and kind of what I'm calling a wait and see mode. 
they're waiting to see like how the stock market performs. They're waiting to see that there's quite a few people that think that the market's going to correct harder than it has in the luxury market. So we're seeing a lot of that. And then we're seeing sellers not wanting to trade in their two and a half, three percent interest rate and move up and increase their cost of ownership. It's, it's a little bit of, I mean, it's definitely slowed down. La Jolla single family homes are down 40.7% November over November. And then the condo market's down 46.4%. And every single community throughout San Diego, I mean, there's some communities in San Diego that are down 80% in sales. And that's coming off of year over year 2021, which was a record yes. year, right? So yeah. it's a little misleading. Yeah, I always tell people, you yeah. know, compare 2022 to 2019, <laughs> and it's a different story. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the only difference is it was November. And so in, in San Diego, November, December, January can tend to be a little quieter. Right. Interestingly enough, December is one of our biggest closing months of the year. When you look back at the, like a five-year we have a lot of holiday out of town people that come to La Jolla and, and some of the bigger deals happen to go down the last month of the year. So it, literally our December can be as high in sales as our July. So that'll be interesting to kind of compare. But the, our winter's a little bit quieter than right after the Super Bowl is when it picks up here. Yeah. It's interesting what you said about there's two things going on, which has put a lot of markets on pause right now. It's buyers looking to wait and see, you know, looking at the economy and like you said, the stock market and where interest rates are going to sort of settle out. And then there are sellers who are reluctant to sell, normally would be looking to upgrade or even downsize, but you've got a two and a half percent, 30 year fixed rate that you got in 2020. And you're going to have to, whether you're trading up or trading down, and now it's going to be 5%. So I could see how people don't want to give up that low rate. So the market gets a little stuck. Absolutely. Then what happens is price comes into play and then people will rationalize it, especially if you're looking to upgrade. If you know you could get a real value and they say, marry the price, date the rate. You can get a good price on the asset on the house and then you can refinance when interest rates come down again. So I think this pause is going to soften values and then that will kickstart the market again. What do you think about that? No, absolutely. I mean, we just signed a private exclusive last week and she's building a big $10 million house up on the hill over, you know, with the big ocean views. They bought a lot five years ago. And the sell to her is even though she doesn't really want to sell yet because the house isn't done until 2024. We think prices are at, I mean, no one's going to be able to time the market perfectly, but there's a very good chance that we could be near the peak here. And it would be a good time to try to get, you know, when you have that unicorn property to be able to get that highest and best price. Yeah, because you're, yeah, that, you know, it's a lot of people have asked me, New York and up in Greenwich, you know, if sellers, like, should I look to sell now or should I wait and see? And I was like, if we ex think things might settle down and values might soften, now is a better time. What's painful for you, if you're going to buy something right now, you know, the interest rates might be higher, but then when things do soften, you can refinance. So if you can sell high now, you might think about doing that because we all think that things are going to soften before they improve. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's just really impossible to time any real estate market. So, we, you know, we can give the best advice that we can. But I think all luxury markets are going through something a bit similar right now, just like it was similar on the 
opposite end of the spectrum with how things were flying high through COVID. Mm-hmm. So why don't you take our listeners through your team, how you and Rob have it set up, how you run it, how do you differentiate yourself in the marketplace? Well, I think how we stand out in, you know, San Diego is extremely competitive. I mean, at Compass alone, we have, I think, over 900 agents here in San Diego that I would say are Googled search presence is what makes us stand out. Something that I've been working on for over 10 years. We're like the leading non-brokerage website on page one of Google for any kind of luxury type searches. The way that team is structured, Rob is the front of the business now. He goes out and I'm the back end now and I do all of our marketing and managing the team and that sort of thing. And I think that's what makes like a husband and wife partnership kind of unique and good that when certain things happen in life, you can switch roles, if that makes sense to meet what's going on. I know when I met you, you probably recall I was in a wheelchair and I got sick. I want to say it was 2017. Literally, we were going to Whole Foods and I couldn't walk past the salad bar. And I don't know if you guys all know Whole Foods, but salad bar is like like 20 feet into the store. And it was, we didn't know I was going to be able to walk again. And it really changed our business. I was the front of the business and we had to make some very fast changes and it was painful. It was hard to adapt, if that makes sense, for someone to completely change roles. But we're finally now in our groove. So it's really good to be able to have someone that can keep the business going if you ever fall down per se. Yeah. How are you? How are you doing now? It's not good. You know, I struggled the baby. We have a baby now. I, you know, congrats. As soon as I was able to be healthy enough, I we had a baby. And then, of course, that really took a toll on my recovery. It was is more difficult than it would have been for another person. And so he's turning two here in February. And finally, like the last, I'd say the last 90 days, it's, it's been getting a lot better and I'm able to be back full time. And so it's positive. Yeah, that's great. Good for you. I remember when we met and you were already seated at breakfast. And then when you left and <laughs> Rob brought over the wheelchair, I had no idea. Obviously, I know I know what you've been through. And, I'm, and yeah, you guys did keep your business going. And you persevered and it's, uh, you know, and I applaud you for dealing with what you had to deal with, right? Yeah. I mean, it's really, I, you're really amazing. I, yeah. I literally showed, we sold a property in the wheelchair and I think I learned so much from that experience of how people look at you differently and they look at him differently. Like, what is he doing for that? First, like it was a very humbling experience. I could tell you that and changed me. It's true because the first, yeah, I could see how the, the first time we met over the phone and remember that I had this family office, this very wealthy family, they were looking to value a bunch of their real estate holdings and some of which were out in your market. And I remember that you went out and you just like attacked it like typical Joe. I mean, you were really like, I was impressed by just like your work ethic and how intense you were and how you just went out and attacked that project and came back with a level of detail I wasn't even expecting. So I could see how you're like this hard charging person. And then the health issue set you back a little bit and you have to change roles. And then the first thing you think about is how people might perceive you, right? None of us want to be perceived like we need any help or we're in any position of weakness or vulnerability. So I could see how that the emotional toll there was probably pretty substantial. It was rough. I mean, I'll always remember when one yeah. client bought an oceanfront and I, I mean, I, I could walk a little bit. I could walk really, really slow and I could walk short distances. And he's like, what the hell is wrong with your damn legs? But he, I mean, he was kind right. of joking, <laughs> but yeah, I, it was, it was, I'm a better person. I used to be a little yeah. bit more short 
and dismissive. And it's really made me a better human. So I'm grateful for the experience, even though that sounds insane and crazy. And I'm still not, I still can't exercise today. I mean, I still am limited, but I'm still grateful for the, I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful for where I'm at right now. Yeah. It just gives you an appreciation. None of us know what the next day or next week is going to bring in our lives health-wise or other. So you become, yeah, just like you said, you're more appreciative, you're more grateful. And I'm sure those around you that went through that, Rob, went through that with you. I mean, I was affected by it. I was sort of, I was blown away. I didn't know what to think when he came and wheeled you away. I had no idea. And I immediately felt like I was more impressed by you because what you were there wanting to be on the front lines, wanting to talk about being in the private client network, wanting to be a leader and you know, you were having some health issues at that point in time, but I applauded you. And I, I remember I was really impressed. I was impressed by you Thank through you. that experience. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it speaks to a team, whatever someone's dealing with, it's good to have resources. It's good to, we have a lot of husband and wife teams. You know, my wife just joined my team as well. And we help each other run the household. We help each other run the team. And then having additional team members, it's just good that People can have your back if you have to deal with something so that the clients never feel like they're being underserved. You know, you can always be there for the clients, whether it's you or your husband or wife or someone on your team. I think teams are so valuable. We just had a pitch actually before this podcast and it was two people on my team and myself and we were really selling them on that. You're getting the entire team for the price of one agent, you know, and there's value in that. So, And one more thing I would add that I'm telling everyone that will listen to me as a team leader or as a principal <laughs> is you really need to document everything. I mean, I use Google Sheets and Google Docs because if you ever, I mean, literally there was a six month period of time where I could not lift my head off the pillow. I couldn't talk. And so if you ever get sick or something, people have to be able to know what your passwords are. Where is the CRM? What is the process day to day? So that someone can step in and help. And my husband literally didn't know what the passwords were at the time to get into the like the back ends of our system. And so I think that's like really important for any principal to have prepared just in case. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. And any real estate coach will tell you that if you're running a team, you've basically built a business within a business and you have your own platform and you have to document it. And there's not only is it practical so that people can step in and access the platform, you know, the team platform, but that there's value in that, that you have a book of business, you have a platform that you've built, you've built a business that has value, but you have to document it. <laughs> so people understand the value. So that's really good that you bring that up. One other question about like team structure. So San Diego is spread out. I mean, so do you try to set up people geographically? Like how do you sort of operate the team? Well, prior we were going anything, you know, $3 million plus we were on it, we were running. And literally this year, especially with the baby, we were like, this isn't life. This isn't how we want the rest of our careers to be. So we've dialed back and literally, I always laugh like my husband could literally get a golf cart right now. We don't leave La Jolla very often anymore. So you keep it very hyper local. We are. And we're sending the team. I mean, to send a team member with three or four or $5 million clients is a big thing. We get showing requests online. Literally had a showing request for $5 million in Poway over the weekend. It's okay. We can pass that. We've got our team trained up very well on how to work those clients and what we've learned is when you hyper-focus on something, 
it shows it's it's everything. So we've just completely hyper focused on our farm, our geographic farm here along the beach. Yeah, that makes sense. In New York, there are people that take a building or a few buildings or a block or you know, th- there's that that sort of level of being that hyper local. And you just drill down on that and you really become that local market expert. And then if you want to cover a bigger territory, you do that through team members. And there might be instances where you've got to travel around the market a little bit, but you can create your own wheelhouse and then you can operate the rest of the business around you with team members. It just speaks to the freedom that you have to run your business any way you want if you set up a team correctly. Absolutely. Yeah. And that includes training everyone on Mm -hmm. your team because we all want the process for clients to be seamless. So whether you're going out with them or someone on your team, they feel like it's largely the same experience. Exactly. So San Diego is, to me, very much a lifestyle market. Anyone that I know that moved from, say, New York City out to San Diego the process was, can I find a job similar to I have here out there because I want to live that lifestyle? So people are drawn to that market. So it'd be great if you could sort of take our listeners through almost like a day in the life or like the ultimate lifestyle one can lead, you know, in San Diego. Well, living in San Diego is like being on vacation your whole life. And that's coming from somewhere where you've got a lake and a boat and then the lake freezes over in the winter. And it's, I mean, there's not that much lifestyle coming from Minneapolis for me, which is why I moved here. And so like being on vacation 24-7, you've got the beaches, we've got great shopping. There's always new restaurants and shops coming in, museums. We've got Bobo Park. I I was just reviewing last night all the different holiday events that are going out throughout all of San Diego. I mean, it's overwhelming. I didn't even know these things were happening. And then for families, we've got SeaWorld, Legoland, and Sesame Place just right here. And then, of course, Disneyland is up like an hour and a half from here. But like my son goes to SeaWorld literally twice a week now just to pop in for a few hours. So, Wow. And I think the weather is just perfect in San Diego. Yes. Every day but today. It's like the last couple of days was like 60 <laughs> raining and cold, but normally we do have that almost perfect 70 degree sunshine that it's as perfect as it gets. And I think unless you go to like Hawaii, maybe. Yeah. And can you speak to, I mean, there are some great resorts in the area. I know that much. Yeah. We've got the Hotel Dell on Coronado Island and then the La Jolla Shores Beach and Tennis Club. And then up in Del Mar, we've got the Fairmont Grand Del Mar where we had our last private client meeting. And then we've got up in Oceanside are some brand new, which Oceanside, it's an up and coming community. And they've got two brand new resorts up there, which are pretty cool too. So, but usually we have our clients stay at either the Fairmount Grand or actually maybe like the La Valencia or Grand Colonial here in La Jolla. How's the restaurant scene? The restaurant scene? Oh, I mean, there's, it's immeasurable. I mean, there's a million restaurants coming in, coming out. Some of the best restaurants are downtown or like, you know, not necessarily in La Jolla, even they're in other areas. We've got this whole Asian area with all, if anyone's looking for some more authentic type stuff, we've got that over there. We actually, that's where our family usually goes. So is there like a tech hub in San Diego? Are there like young tech professionals running around or is it more the life sciences like you spoke to earlier? I mean, both in a lot of entrepreneurs are here. People that can work their own flexible type of schedule. So like one of the top health clubs in town is the Lujia Sports Club. And 
you've got guys working out right now, 10 a.m., 11 a.m., because they've just got this more relaxed schedule. Yeah, I mean, it is a place that people come, successful people come from all over because they want the weather, they want that lifestyle, and they've got the freedom financially and otherwise to be able to do that. So you must meet some very dynamic people all the time. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. So what else can you tell us about San Diego for, you know, we have two sets of listeners to this podcast. So we'll have people, clients, right? Buyers, sellers. So there might be people listening that were thinking about making a move to San Diego. And then we have real estate agents that might want to do the same thing, but to get into the real estate game there. So obviously you would probably tell a buyer to look you up if they want to move to San Diego and and you can give them a good lay of the land and take them to all the great neighborhoods and help them navigate the real estate landscape. But what would you tell someone that wanted to move there to get into the real estate business and then get into the luxury market in San Diego? How might they go about that? Well, I think it's important that they find a team leader who has actually the time to guide them because there's a lot of team leaders that throw an agent on their team, but they're really too busy to give them the attention that they need. And then I think it's also important that that team lead is well-versed at earning business from different outlets, meaning like geographic farming, online, open house sphere, because what I find is oftentimes agents are very successful with only one or two focuses. And then it's kind of difficult for an agent unless they exactly match that. So for example, If an agent is brilliant at geographic farming, but you're a broke new agent and you don't have the money to do the mailings and the events and that sort of thing, then that would be a really hard plan to replicate. Or if the team leader is masterful at working their personal sphere in their network, but you are brand new and you don't know anyone, that's not going to help you as much as either. So it's important to kind of match what the team has going on and really dig into where they're actually getting their business to see if that that's a good fit for something that you can just plug right into. And then how about getting, you know, everyone in our business wants to sell luxury. They want to raise their price point. What do you think the best way to, if someone say selling, you know, one to 3 million and they want to sell some 5 million plus and maybe even a 10 million plus, what do you think the best way to go about that is? Well, my strategy was a little different than what most of the agents out there have done. Back to the mortgage business I was running, I was running everything online. When I was actually able to sell that business, it was for the value of the website that was bringing in the leads. That's what selling that business looked like. And so I basically replicated that same business model here. And that is how I broke into the luxury market. One of the reasons I left that business was because it was all first-time home buyers. I mean, we were doing 30, 40 deals a month, but that's just not what I wanted. I wanted to be more concierge and hands-on. So for me... I broke in by working online leads and I literally prospect online, but that's just kind of a, I, other people I think are open houses are a really good opportunity. And then there's always getting on a team where I guess we could just call it like you have almost like leftovers, Kevin, you know, where you have overflow yeah, and someone can step in and maybe a much reduced fee because you're going to be heavily involved in that transaction, but they still get their name as second agent on the closing. Yeah, no, and it's what always stood out about you is you always told me that you're number one on the Google search page for non-brokerage and that you put out some nice content that speaks to luxury. So you're able to attract the people that are looking for luxury and then capture them. You know, generating leads is one thing, converting leads is another. So I think you do, uh, you have the whole, both sides covered in that regard. 
We've got a 43-step funnel, and the funnel is both automated and agent action oriented. And I always have agents resistant to doing some piece of that funnel, whether or not it's make a video on day five, thanking them for visiting the website or whatever it might be. But all of those steps matter when you're converting someone that's more high-end and more discerning. Yeah, I'll say. No, you do a really good job with that. Most people like to just pay third parties for leads, but you're better off figuring out your own lead generation. And part of that is the content and the engagement process that which you just seem to have down to a science. So good for you. And, and you're smart because that just continually feeds your business. Google, it's almost like I, I do explain it like this. It is like being a little canoe in the middle of the ocean because you've got these big people with steep pockets like Compass and other brokerages, Cobalt Banker and Sotheby's and Movoto and these other big companies constantly trying to take you down. So it's definitely not set it and forget it. It's literally every day I have disciplines that I have to, to do certain things. But long term, it is definitely investing and in growing something as yours that you can sell one day. Yeah. No, if you're a farmer, you have to irrigate the crops every day. Right? Sure. So you have to take you've got to take care of what you've built or else it will become obsolete and won't create any value for you. So, no, I really applaud you for doing that because you're a real standout at that. Thank you. All right. Well, I think that was a really good conversation. I really appreciated it. We go way back in Compass years, right? I mean, Compass is only 10 years old. We go back four years and you were one of the originals in the private client network. And so happy that I met you and Rob that time we had breakfast in, in San Diego and that I met you initially on that when you had to chase down that information for me. So it's been great. And now that you're feeling better, I hope, hopefully, well, guess what? The next Compass Retreat is in San Diego. So I'm sure I will yeah, see no, you there. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And I mean, I, I can't thank you enough for what you've built with this network. I mean, the client that we just referred to Austin, we referred it six months ago and they were with another broker and literally canceled that listing to go with one of our private client network members and having someone that I didn't follow up or anything. I just was like, here, and I just know it's going to be handled. I know she knows what she's doing and she's going to be able to get them away from that other relationship that wasn't working out. And it's just all speaks to the quality of the partners that are on the team. Yeah, no, I've been fortunate, but I've worked hard to curate the right group of like-minded people. And you want to make it seamless for the client. You want to have the peace of mind that if you're going to refer someone to another market, that they're going to be handled the way they need to be handled versus, hey, I'll try to find you somebody in Dallas or Austin or whatever. So that's the theory behind building it. And it's just played out even better than, than I could imagine. But I have to give the credit to all the partners that we have because everyone adds to this collectively. So thank you as well. Thank you, Kevin. A sincere thank you to Joy Allman for being our featured guest on our 10th episode of the second season of Luxury on Location. That was an excellent conversation, which we sincerely hope our listeners enjoyed. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. We understand there are a multitude of podcasts out there. So we appreciate that you chose Luxury on Location for your listening pleasure. We hope to see you back for our next episode when Kevin Snedden will be speaking with another one of our private client network partners and discussing their luxury market. In the meantime, please check out the Private Client Network at Compass, your nationwide resource for luxury real estate. We operate in virtually every luxury real estate market in the country. You can find us at theprivateclientnetwork.com or on Instagram at Private Client Network. Until next time.